right. Welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today we have Jeremy Goodrich, commercial real estate insurance advisor at Shine Insurance. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing great. Really appreciate you having me on the show. I understand you have a show of your own, and maybe it's a little bit different to be on the other side of the table, but really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. It is. You know, I think we both understand how valuable it is to chat with real estate investors and service providers to this community on all sides and how good it feels to have these conversations and to grow from them. So I'm really excited to share with your listeners today some insights around the insurance world. Yeah, and I really appreciate it. I know that uh, as the host, I get to learn a tremendous amount. And the feedback I've gotten from the audience, from our viewers, is that the guests we have on on the show are are top caliber and the value provided is incredible. So thank you for that. And and thank you to everybody who's been a guest on the show. It's been really a wonderful experience thus far. So, hey, before we get into the what of what it is that you do, I want to go to the who. So tell our viewers, who is Jeremy Goodrich? Yeah, so, you know, I'm a teacher. So I started as an elementary school teacher. 13 years of my adult career has been in the third and fourth grade classroom. I connected with kids on learning how to write, learning how to read, learning how to play soccer, learning how to play hockey, you know, just all kinds of things in that space. And I met my wife and we started a business together that is Shine Insurance seven years ago. And we've grown that into a million dollar plus business and we're very proud of it. But I never left the teacher element of what I do. When I moved into insurance, I wanted to continue to educate people to help them experience something that maybe they didn't like so much in a way that was at least more accessible and more palatable, like I did with uh, teaching someone how, you know, a fourth grader how to do division. Um, I feel like that same thing is still happening. So when we talk about who is Jeremy, I think a teacher is at the heart of who I am. I love my family. I enjoy time in the woods. um, And I really like simple things in life and um but ultimately underneath it all i'm a teacher awesome i love that i mean i think it's great that you have a passion right you know that you're a teacher and then you've you've molded that and found out what you want to do as a a career and kind of put that around the context of being a teacher And, and this is case in point a great example where you're here to teach us about commercial real estate as it pertains to um you know insurance and investing so tell us a little bit about what you do jeremy So, you know, I do commercial real estate insurance. That is all we do. We're very focused on multifamily, office, industrial, and retail. Um, I insure folks around the country. Most of my clients have between 50 and 1,000 units, uh, but we have people on both sides of that scale. Um, What I do a lot is fix problems with insurance policies. I think as we'll get into in this conversation, there are a lot of lemons out there, and about 80% of real estate investors have pretty terrible insurance policies. And the reason for that is when you go shopping for a car, you can kind of tell, you can even kick the tires, you can lift the hood, you can try and figure out what's going on with that car and ultimately decide whether it's a lemon or not. When it comes to an insurance policy, it's just so much harder. You know, nobody's sitting around reading through a 200 page document to try and figure out the details of what's quite right and what's wrong. And so we are commercial real estate insurance advisors. And the big thing we do is fix lemon. Awesome. So let's help our viewers avoid some of those mistakes. Tell us, what are some of the biggest mistakes that real estate investors can make when it comes to insurance? I think the big and biggest one is the one that everybody wants to do, which is purchase on price. Mm-hmm. And I think it, there's two things we want from insurance. There's really only two things we want. One is the cheapest price. And the other is the peace of mind that if something bad happens, 
it's going to be covered. The problem is those two things just don't really come together, right? So like the cheapest price policy is usually a lemon. Now there's great, uh, you know, we have great pricing for the policies that we offer, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that make huge mistakes. And I can give you a couple of examples, Dan, if you'd like me to, of what some of those mistakes are in insurance policies. But just a lot of times, if it's the cheapest price, it's almost a worthless piece of paper. And that's where people make the biggest mistake is buying on the cheapest price. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I, I tell people all the time, like a little bit of money spent on the front end can often save you 10 or 100 times more on the back end, whether it means hiring a seasoned, you know, experienced professional or paying a little bit more for your insurance policy. So, you know, I'm sure that you've seen pretty much everything being that you've been in the industry for so long. Tell us maybe a story that really would resonate or, or something that, you know, you experienced over your, your career in, you know, the, the insurance field as it pertains to a commercial real estate claim. Absolutely. So two stories really quickly, uh, the, and neither were my clients, but I think they're really good examples of what not to do. The first one was a single family investor in South Texas who had a large portfolio was mostly doing flips and then would either flip or buy and hold, but he was doing renos on everything, right? So he, he was doing a reno on a property. He called his insurance agent and just said, hey, add this property and left it at that. Um, there was a contractor doing work in the place, uh, was drilling into a wall, did too much drilling into that wall, created what ultimately was a smoldering fire. They all left. <laughs> fire. It burns down the property. So wow. the goes down. Nobody's hurt. So that's really good. Um, but the entire property is gone and they were really close to, to sale. They were almost done with their reno in that example. Well, the insurance agent had put the, put the uh, property on as a tenant occupied uh, property. Oh. This was a property under renovation and occupancy is a huge variable in insurance policies. You have to have the occupancy right, which for real estate investors can be tricky because occupancy is changing so much, right? Sure. And so that claim ended up being 100% denied by the insurance coverage or the wow. insurance coverage at all. About a fortunately, it wasn't a, a large commercial building; it was a smaller commercial building, so it was about a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand dollar loss. Um, but you put that into a large commercial building, and obviously, there's a couple extra zeros on the back end of that. So the lesson that client or again, that guy wasn't my client, but that person learned was, um, you know, you have to make sure when you tell your insurance agent what it is you have, that you are clear about occupancy, you're clear about what you have to the insurance agent. Now, on the other side, your insurance agent should be asking those questions. That's sure. just a question you didn't get asked that should have been asked. But, you know, that's one example of, you know, a big mistake that was made in the scenario. And then another big mistake gets really in the weeds, but I think I can do it quickly. And this is essentially how uh, a $40,000 claim um, ended up being paid out at $3,000. So $40,000 of damage, $3,000 payout. And the reason for that was ACV coverage. I don't need to get in the weeds in, but essentially they're depreciating for the age of the, it was a roof claim, so mm -hmm. it was $40,000 to replace that roof, but the policy had ACV coverage, and the roof was 20 years old. So essentially, so, they're, they're not going to pay for what the, the value of a new roof would be, right? They're going to depreciate what the value of the roof is in its current state at the time of the claim. Is that what I'm understanding? Totally, yeah. And for cars, that makes sense. If you have a 2012 
Hyundai Sonata and it gets totaled, you wouldn't expect the insurance company to replace it with a 2021 right. uh, Hyundai Sonata, right? Right. Like for cars, that makes sense. It's the the value is depreciated based on the age. But when it comes to a roof on a building, you can't go out and get a 12 year old roof <laughs> for a building. You can't replace a so so it doesn't make sense for properties. But insurance companies do it, and that gets into the relationship between you know roof claims and all that kind of stuff. But uh, so that's a big piece of it. And then they were underinsured on the property, and if you underinsure a property, even if the claim is a small claim. So the, the, the property isn't a total loss. Even if the claim is a small claim, if you've underinsured and there's a co-insurance clause, you, you get penalized for that. So I just, uh, Dan, I'm trying to make a 15-minute a, a explanation, explanation, but essentially because of co-insurance, ACV, and underinsuring, that $40,000 roof paid out at $3,000. Wow. So these are all things that a, that a great insurance agent like yourself or advisor, as I like that that's, that's what you call yourself because essentially that's what you're doing, you would have advised yeah. your clients to, in every one of these stories actually, to conduct themselves in a different way on the front end, right, to protect themselves in the back end. I think that's really important. We, we see that often with many different professionals in different industries that, you know, having a good advisor, right, that's going to give you the right advice in the beginning is going to save you tremendously in the end. It's always true, right? I mean, I think that in most places, and the neat thing about insurance is to have a good advisor, you don't actually have to pay for them. You know, insurance is one of those places different than your lawyer, different than your accountant, different than a lot of other people where you're not paying an hourly rate. So, you know, but it's the same concept. I think we think about insurance, we're on the front end, we're doing due diligence, we're thinking about all the things. And then it's like, oh, insurance, I don't know. Uh, let's call the seller's agent or, you know, it's just this like thing on the back end. It's like an afterthought. But it's an afterthought. And, and I think that you really need to see this member of your team in the same way you see your accountant, in the same way you see your lawyer. These are folks who you make thoughtful decisions about on the front end. And then you spend less time as you grow and as your journey continues because you trust them and you know that they're giving you quality advice that fits you the best. Absolutely. And I know, Jeremy, that we've talked a lot about not looking for that cheapest policy, right? Keeping that in mind, though, what are there things that we can do or that our viewers can do to get better prices on their insurance policies? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that the reason I point out the cheap thing is because usually the cheapest policy has the problems that I've described, right? Mm -hmm. But there are absolutely ways that you can get less expensive policies. The first one I would say is to have someone who is an, a real estate specialist. So not everyone has access to the exact same companies and different companies have different pricing. So if you go to someone who has the leverage of their entire portfolio, I can go to my companies and they know that not only am I bringing this your account, Dan, but I'm going to bring 10 more on the other side. I've already got a portfolio of, of millions of dollars of assets in that space. And so I can leverage that company in a way that another agent can't. So someone who is specialized in the space would be number one to me. Number two would be to really get clarity about what you have and explain that to your insurance agent. Mm -hmm. There are really three tiers of insurance companies, tier one, tier two, and tier three, and each one of gets more expensive. So if you can get a property into a tier one company, 
because you've got a newer roof, because you've got updated electrical, because you've got 90% plus occupancy, you know, all these kinds of things, you're going to get the cheapest rate. If you've got uh, deferred maintenance, if you've got uh, high amounts of vacancy, things like that, then you may have to be in a tier two or a tier three uh, company and you're going to see price be higher. So finding an advisor who can explain to you how to do that and who has access to the best companies is absolutely going to get you the best price. And then the last thing, increase that deductible. Put the mm -hmm. deductible as high as you feel comfortable putting it. I'd always rather increase a deductible than cut corners with other things that we can't control as much. Sure. Now, do you advise your clients to bid out their insurance every few years? I think bidding is an awful idea. And someone could say, a listener is going to immediately say, well, yeah, you've got a, a vested interest. So let me explain why I feel like bidding is a bad idea. For contractors and things of that nature, it's a little bit different. But if you're bidding insurance, you're pinning people against each other that have access to essentially the same companies and who are then losing that access in a lot of ways because only one agent can have access to one company. So as soon as you put it out to a bunch of people, they're basically just blocking each other from the same thing. So that's one negative. The other negative to bidding all the time is that someone's having to start from scratch and there's more likely to be errors in the coverage that come out to bite you on the back end. So that's another negative to bidding. And the third is if you have an independent agent who you have a trust relationship with, who is a member of your team, like you wouldn't bid your lawyer out every three years so that you could have someone new because you know that that person <laughs> understands your business. Sure. You understand that person's written contracts for you and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you have an independent agent, they are pinning companies against each other for your business already. Sure. So why would you... Uh, you know, get, give up the advisor who knows you when that person is already doing that themselves. Now, you do have to make sure someone is paying attention to you and cares about you and is truly going out and doing that for you. I'm not saying there's no space for bidding, but I see bidding do more bad than good when it comes to insurance a lot of the time. Interesting. Well, on that note, I've actually got a personal question. You know, my fiance and I just got a new car a couple months ago, and yeah. our insurance rate went up by like Two or three thousand dollars for our home and our auto. So immediately contacted my my insurance agent, got a good relationship with them, and said, "Hey, what's going on?" They reshopped the policy, um, same exact coverage for the home and the auto, but we're saving now like two thousand dollars. How can it be that the same coverage with two different carriers has such a vast you know difference in price? Well, a lot of variables in the answer to that conversation or to that piece, but I think that. Hopefully you had an independent agent and that agent was able to see that big increase because of that new car and be like, okay, well, I'll go out and look for other companies and see who's doing it. Um, that was a great example, I think, of keeping your advisor relationship and yet finding a better price for the actual uh, policy itself. The reason for different prices is, is vast. I mean, you know, if, if you've got a national company like a state farm or something like that, they're figuring in. Uh, wildfire losses in California and uh, hail losses, burst pipe losses in Flo in a, a Texas like they've experienced in the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks. So one company could be experiencing just vastly different losses than another company that's more insulated. There's regional uh, companies. You're in Michigan. I'm in Indiana. So, you know, there's a lot of regional companies that are Midwest companies. They can be more insulated and therefore have a cheaper price. Um, there can be companies being a little more aggressive. And just being willing to take an underwriting loss. I mean, hopefully not, but being a little bit more aggressive. 
uh, they could have missed discounts associated with mm. your particular scenario. Those could all be reasons. I mean, I, I beat other companies by thousands of dollars all the time, and it's almost different every time as far as why I feel that difference is. Interesting. Well, hey, Jeremy, you've provided some incredible value. Appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. We've got about a minute here. Do you have any words of wisdom or advice to those who are watching the show that you'd like to close with? My number one word of wisdom is tr is find an advisor you trust. Find an advisor who you can talk with, who can explain things in a way that makes sense to you. If you walk away from your insurance a advisor conversations more confused than when you picked up the telephone, that is the wrong person to be working with. So I think that all the detailed things that we could talk about for hours, Dan, are one thing, but ultimately that advisor relationship and really trusting the person you work with is the key to all of it. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's all about that trust, all about those relationships. Jeremy, thank you again so much. You added tremendous value. Appreciate having you here on another great episode of Dan on Top. It's my pleasure, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm Dan Lukowitz. This has been another great time here. Looking forward to seeing you soon.